on the left side. Do you see the frontal face of a man or the side view? How many of you see both? How many of you don't see anything? <laughs> on the right drawing, do you see an old lady or a young lady? How many see the old lady? Okay, how many see the young lady? All right. How many of you see both? Okay. So we got, we got a, 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 just a mixture of different people. Some of y'all still stare. You're like, I, I ain't seeing nothing, Pastor. <laughs> the left side picture, a little bit easily more distinguished from right. You can see the front. And the, how many of y'all see the front and the side on the left? Okay. How many on the right still can't see the old lady? All right. How many of y'all see the young lady with her head turned? Uh-huh. How many of you see the old lady with the scarf over her head, chin down? All right, y'all follow me? Okay. Some of y'all still looking, right? Well, you, you have to catch it next week, okay, because you're ready to go to Proverbs 29, right? <laughs> you know, this illustration, this picture here, talks about perspective, how you see a thing. And what I've discovered in Christendom, in Christianity, a lot of times we have different perspective about different stuff. Amen? Different perspective about different stuff. And today, I, I want to start on, on a message series, series and we're going to ask a question, do you really care? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, do you Really care. So Proverbs, the 29th chapter, verse number seven. I'm going to read it to you from the New Living Translation. Proverbs 29, verse number seven. We'll read it from the New Living Translation. The text says, the godly care about the rights of the poor. The wicked don't care at all. That's just real succinct. That's real direct. And that's just to the point, right? The godly care about the rights of the poor. The wicked don't care at all. Just for good measure, let's read verses 8 and 9. Because every time when I, when I pick out a passage, especially when Proverbs or Psalms, there are other passages that just jump off the page at me like, hmm, I never thought of them that way. The text says, mockers can get a whole town agitated. How many of there are some folks who can stir everybody up? But the wise will calm anger. Mockers can get a whole town agitated, but the wise will calm anger. Look at the next verse. It says this. If a wise person takes a fool to court, there will be ranting and ridicule, but no satisfaction. Because when you deal with a fool, you, whether you laugh or rage, you ain't going to get no peace. Those are just thrown in parenthetically, but my, my scripture point is coming from Proverbs 29 and 7, which says, again, the godly care about the rights of the poor. The wicked don't care at all. So the question is, do you really care? Now, as I put that picture up there first, it's fascinating how people can look at the same thing and see it differently. All right. Uh, the point I want to make from, from, from that just real quickly is that 
is that we often accept what we see and reject that which we that may not be readily apparent to us. Let me say it again. The point is we oftentimes accept what we see and reject what may not be readily apparent to us. The same is true when it comes to us as as believers, because that text says the godly care about what? The rights of the poor, but the wicked don't care at all. When it comes to caring, and we're talking about caring, caring ministry. Caring is a ministry. Everybody say caring Caring. is a ministry. So it's easier to approach caring in the way that is most familiar to us and to which people we are accustomed to, especially when there's no apparent reason to look at it or do things differently. We generally look at stuff the way we were brought up, right? We generally look at things the way our family of origin told us to look at things. And But what I want to tell you and what I want to uh, drive home through this message series is that when it comes to answering the question, do we really care, I want our perspective to not be governed or controlled by our families of origin. I don't want our perspective and our way of approaching caring to be governed by how the Baptists think about it, how the Catholics think about it, how the Episcopalians or the Assembly of Gods think about it. I want our perspective to be driven based on what scripture tells us. Is everybody with me? Do you really care? Because I submit to you that there are times when we look at situations and people will tell us how we're supposed to care as Christians. Well, the church ought to be doing that. And a lot of times the people who tell them what the church ought to be doing ain't even in the church. Not even born again. So how are you, who, who don't have a theological construct of what the church is all about, tell the church what the church should be doing? Hello? So, so my, my purpose is to give us, amen, a biblical construct of what it means to really care, amen, what it means to really care. Now, if, if, if we're honest about it, you know, uh, most of us uh, care based on how we've been tr- traditionally taught, or how things have been addressed in the church. And, and uh, a lot of times when it comes to Christianity and Christians caring, we, we base it off of and we associate it with practical support. In other words, if, if I need some money, if you give me some money, you care. But if I need some money and you won't give me any money, then you really don't care about me. Hello? Illustration. A lot of times we, you know, we have kids. And then, you know, parents are bad about this. We think that we're showing we really care when a lot of times we are enabling our kids to be continue to be irresponsible. And then our, especially our adult kids will get angry with us because you didn't loan them or give them. Because a lot of times you loan it to your adult children, you don't ever see it again. Can we be honest? And many times when you loan it to your relative or your brother or your sister, huh? You, you don't ever see it again. Come on now. And then they come back six months later, want something again. And then when you say no, because you've, you've, you've observed a, a pattern of irresponsibility and you've, you've, you finally figured out that you're not really helping that person. But when you don't give them that money, you don't really care. Hello. 
Is anybody in the house? But what we're going to discover is the Bible speaks a little different about caring. And so we want, we want to let the scripture drive our perspective on what it means to care. Amen. Everybody ask yourself the question, do I really care? Because the truth of the matter is when we associate care with specific concerns, you know, like somebody gets hospitalized, you want to go and visit them, right? If, if there's death in the family, you go and, and, and help. You know, if somebody's going through a divorce, you step up and try to help them. And when somebody's going through a time of grief, you know, what do we do? Uh, you know, with the pastor visit. If the pastor don't visit, then, then the church ain't no good. <laughs> and and, and, and we, if the church don't have a program for that, then we don't really care. And so what I want to tell you is that, that the Bible is very clear, and we're going to see and we're going to let the scripture drive our perspective on what it means to really care. Because the Bible does stipulate a much different approach. Go with me to Matthew, the 22nd chapter right quick. Matthew 22, verse number 37. And we'll read this to you from the New Living Translation. Do you really care? Because I think some of us thought we were caring, but we really wasn't caring. As a matter of fact, we were hurting people. And didn't even realize we thought we knew what caring meant. Some of y'all know you've been drained dry by people who are in, you're in relationship with and you thought you were helping them and you thought you were sharing, uh, sowing uh, uh, godly love toward that person, but really in actuality, you, you were hurting them and you, you really didn't understand what it meant to care because we're going to discover that care is not just about doing stuff for people. Amen. Matthew 22, are you there with me? Looking down at verse number 37, Matthew 22. Verse number 37, glory be to God. Matthew 22, verse number 37, the Bible says this. Jesus replied. Okay, now he replied. So we got to figure out what he replied to, all right? Whenever you find a scripture like this, and I, I have you starting right there, I'm going to challenge you and I'm going to exhort you to make sure that if I don't do it here, you go back when you get home and read prior to this because you know he had to reply to something, right? So let's go back to verse number 36, if we will, and see if we can, uh, if that takes us enough. Well, let's start at verse number 34. Go back to 34. Verse number 34. Let's read. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. Now, you have to understand something. All of the time, the, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees were trying to entrap Jesus, okay? They were trying to entrap him. They were trying to find a way to falsely accuse him. So the text says here again, uh, in verse number 35, one of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. What was the question? Verse number 36, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Verse 37, what are we picking up? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Everything about your Christianity can be wrapped up, if you really want to be honest about it, can be wrapped up in, in, into, into these two commandments. Love the Lord God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Everything else, if you, if you keep that at the forefront of your mind, 
then, then, then you, can, you can be in a position where you know you're pleasing God and you're following him. Can I get a witness? Go with me to John the 15th chapter, verse number 12. John 15, verse 12. Going to move on down through. We're going to let the scriptures speak to us. Because when we love God and we love people, I told y'all on numerous occasions, I repeat it almost every Sunday, is your vertical relationship with God cannot be right if your horizontal relationship with people is all messed up. You can't be good with God and all messed up and bad with people. Having and harboring unforgiveness, all kind of cantankerous relationship. Because if the truth be told, a lot of us have not learned how to do relationships properly. Even when it comes to our family, even when it comes to husband-wife relationship, even when it comes to parent-child relationship, our perspective has been shaped by a lot of times our family of origin and what we saw coming up. So I submit to you that, that if we're going to be the people, if we're going to be the church that God has called and ordained for us to be, our perspective has to be shaped by the Holy Scriptures. We got to allow God's word to drive our perspective. Amen? Are y'all with me? Look at John 15, verse number 12 says this. This is my commandment. Jesus is talking, love each other in the same way that what? I have loved you. That's what Jesus said. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Let's go to Galatians, the fifth chapter, verse 13 and 14. See, a lot of times when it comes to caring, we want to have a program. Programs are good. I thank God for our Linda Hand outreach effort on yesterday. Thank God for the team that was put together, the team that served, the team that showed love, the, the team that showed compassion. That is awesome effort. But I will submit to you that that alone does not indicate caring. There, do you not know there are a lot of wealthy people who give money and donate money to charitable organizations? but they don't really care. There are a lot of people who donate because it is a tax write-off. And if you took their tax write-off away from them, they would stop giving to that organization. See, care cannot be boiled down to just what you do for me tangibly. We're going to see that, and in, in, in as we go through the series, that God's, God's viewpoint and perspective on caring is a lot deeper than just the stuff that we do. Can I get a witness? Now, we ought to do the stuff, but we gotta, it, it involves more than that. Look at what the text says here in Galatians, the fifth chapter. Y'all there with me? Verse number 13, Galatians 5, verse number 13 says what? For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Don't, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve what, what, to serve, what, what does it say? Use your freedom to do what? To serve one another in love. That's what it says. Look at verse 14 from the right way. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. See guys, it's critically important and we see this, Jesus talked about it and Paul is talking about love, love, loving your neighbor, loving people. 
Okay, not just doing stuff for people, but learn to love people. You know, uh, one, one more. Go to First Peter the fourth chapter, verse number seven. First Peter four, verse seven and eight. Let's look at that right quick. Do you really care? Well, brother, I, I know I care because you know I gave, I gave every, every day I get some every every Sunday I get somebody to ride to church. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Oh, pastor, I know I, I care because I, I I went down and served at the homeless shelter. That's great. That's awesome. But do you really care? Oh, pastor, you know I I, I really care because you know I I uh, you know I know I care about my wife because you know I bring I bring my check home. I put food on the table so she can fry it up in the pan and let the world know that I'm her man. It's great that you provide economically, but do you really care? Do you really care? Look at what the text says. Right? Watch this. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Now watch what the text says here. Next verse is what? Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love does what? Covers a multitude of sin. Uh, Peter's writing here, he says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love does what? Covers a multitude of sin. What does that mean? That means if I am truly embracing you in agape love, that means that I don't, I don't excuse your sin. I don't, I don't uh, 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 you know, take it lightly when you sin, but I don't throw you away when you sin. When it says love covers a multitude of sin, that means that, that I don't cut you off when you disappoint me. See, when you really care about people, then you don't let their actions cause you to, to pull away from them and stop caring. Can I get a witness up in there? So, so, so a lot of times, you know, we look at things differently, but I, what I want to drive home is let, let, let's let the scripture drive our viewpoint, not your personal back, professional background. Maybe you were in counseling. Maybe you were a social worker. Maybe you were ed educated. Maybe you were in nursing. And all those things are good, but don't let your professional background drive your viewpoint on what it means to really care or how to care. Can I get a witness? The lens through which we see and, 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 and which I want us to come to understand what it means to care is very significant because if I'm not allowing the word of God to drive my viewpoint of this, I'm going to get off base. And I'm going to actually start judging people because they don't do it the way I do it. Let me give you an illustration. I think, go, go with me. I believe it's 1 Timothy right quick. Hurry, hurry, hurry. I want to throw this in parenthetically. 1 Timothy, the fifth chapter, I believe it is. Glory to God. Are y'all still with me? Ask yourself the question, do you really care? Let's start at verse number three. Verse number three. How many of y'all would agree that it would be biblical for us to help a widow? Hello? I mean, as a church, as a corporate body, it would be biblical, right? It, it would be, it, we could really show that we care. Let's say we had an 85-year-old widow who needed some, some, some service or something done for it. It would be, be biblical for us to happen, right? That would really show we what? We care. Now watch what, Paul, watch what Peter says here. Uh, not, not Peter, but watch what Paul says here as he writes to his young son in ministry by the name of Timothy. He says, take care. There it is, care in ministry. 
take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. That's Bible, right? We all read that with me. Y'all looked at that. Y'all I, I heard a, a definite side. Let's read it together. It says what? Take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. Look at the next verse. Let's read. It says what? But if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by what? This, now watch this now. Again, y'all, we start out by saying we know that we believe it's biblical to take care of widows. But now here we see scripture driving which widows we're going to take care of. Which one we're going to offer assistance to. Because it says here, but if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility, who the children and the grandchildren, is to show godliness at home and do what? Repay their parents by taking care of that's what the word says. This is something that pleases God. Now watch next verse. Watch this. Now a true widow, now watch this, a true widow, because how many of y'all are some fake widows? I'm just, I mean, I mean that's that just by process of elimination, if you got a true widow, you must have what? A fake widow. Would that be correct? Come on now. There if, if all widows were the same, then we would, there, there's no need to say a true widow. But says a true, if I got a true one, I got what? A fake one. Now, a true widow, a woman who is what? Truly alone in this world. Man ain't got no kids, no grandkids. Has placed her hope in God. Now, a true widow, a woman who is truly alone in this world, has placed her hope in God. She prays night and day asking God for his help. See, a true widow is a prayer. Warrior. A true widow is one who's engaged in ministry. A true widow is one who comes to church if they're physically able. And see, widows can, can run the gamut uh, as far as age is concerned. But watch what it says here. She prays night and day asking God for his help. Look at the next verse. Watch this. But the widow who lives only for pleasure is spiritually dead even while she lives. Now watch this next verse. Watch this. It says, give these instructions to whom? To the church so that no one will be open to criticism. Watch what the text says. Let's read on. Next verse says what? But those who won't care for their relatives. Now, remember this in context, dealing with widows here. Because some of y'all have, 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 some of y'all have been duped into thinking that if you really are, are, are a spiritual Christian, every time your relative come on to borrow money, or they need you to, to support their irresponsibility, and that happens, then, then you're not really, they run a, run, a, run a gift trip on you because you wouldn't help them to continue to be irresponsible. Right? And so you, not knowing what it really means to care, allow that gift trip to be thrown on you to the point to where you, just, you ain't got nothing because you don't gave it all to them. Watch that. But those who won't care for their relatives, Especially those in their own household have did what? Denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. When you got people in your own household, when you got when when you have uh, widows who 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 are widows indeed, and you don't help to take care of them, then the Bible says you're worse than an unbeliever. I didn't say the Bible says that, right? 
So, so do I really care? You know, caring does have parameters around it based on what Scripture says. We just read it. So, so when we look at this thing, caring ministry, and what I want to want to drive home the point is that that we need to learn how to really care the Bible way. Everybody say, I need to learn how to care the Bible way. Now, I want I want to kind of turn a little bit uh, because I think opportunities to show that we really care come along all the time. Opportunities to show that we really get this comes along all the time. As born again believers, guys, all of us uh, are carrying some burdens, right? All of us have some, some, some challenges that come our way, right? All of us are facing certain fears that come into our life, right? Because the Bible says be not afraid of sudden fear, but, 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 but what? But what? Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither the desolation of the wicked when it comes, but what? The Lord will be your what? Confidence and will keep your feet from being taken. So we have fears that come our way. But people when I, within our churches and our communities are wrestling with some tough stuff. How many of y'all have been through some tough stuff since you've been born again? How many of y'all have some things come into your life that, that, that challenge you at your very core? That cause you to, to, to look at yourself and say, what do I really believe? That cause you to look at yourself and say, who am I really? That cause you to evaluate and say, you know what? I, I, this, you know, I, I, I need Jesus to help me through this situation. And perhaps like no other time than when you are facing one of these challenges, when, one, when you're facing, if you allow me, one of these storms, like no other time than that do you want to know that people really care. See, I need to know that if I'm going through a storm in this life, I know that you care. If I am in a relationship with you, I need to know that you really care. Hello? So, but, 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 if, but if we have a wrong construct of what it means to care, then, then our ability to manifest it is going to be somewhat limited because we hadn't allowed the scripture to drive our perspective. So when we go through storms, it's time to know, it's time to see. That's when we really step up when people are going through storms, right? Let's look at three stories that make reference to storms and, and reinforce a, a concept that is central to our Christian walk. Right now, Matthew 7, chapter uh, verse 24, 24 through 29. The first, this, these are very familiar stories uh, that, that are given by Jesus himself uh, in, in the gospel. Matthew, the seventh chapter, verse number 24 through 29. Start at verse number 24. This is the wise and the foolish builders. How many of y'all have heard this story before? Jesus gave this parable, this story, this parable, okay? He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it, watch this, anyone, now, I, I don't want you to miss this, anyone who listens to my teaching. All of y'all in here are listening to the master's teaching because I'm just conveying what the master said in his word. So all of y'all in here are listening. I hope you're listening. Are any of y'all at the sleep? Anybody asleep? I know it's a little warm here today for some reason, but, but are you asleep? Are you awake? Are you, are you really listening to me? Are, are you just looking and, 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 and nodding your head, but you really out there in left field somewhere. I, I need to know that you, that you, are you focused on me? Just because I'm just the messenger, right? So, so, so the text says, anyone who listens to my teaching and, and, it's a what? 
conjunctive word, conjunction, junction, what's your hooking up words and phrases and clauses. Yeah, there you go, Rod. I know you remember that, man. The conjunction pulls two thoughts together to make a complete sentence. So the text says, anyone who what, listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. There are many people who come to church Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, listen to the word being taught, write down notes, get the CD, go home, play it again, watch the DVD online, but they ain't following what they're hearing. So as a result, I can deduct reasonably, as a reasonably uh, intelligent guy, it says anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Well, I can also deduct that anyone who listens to God's teaching and doesn't follow it is what? Unwise. Would, would that be a fair assessment? So he says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on what? Solid rock. Next verse says what? It says, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the, that house, it won't collapse because what? It's on the bed, bedrocks. KW said on a solid foundation. Verse 26 and 27. Let's read. It says, well, but anyone, come on, who hears my teaching and ignores it is what? Now the Bible just called you foolish. And it calls me foolish if I hear teaching and I ignore it. The pastor didn't call you a fool, but the word of God says we're foolish. Is that accurate? I mean, in any area, whether it's finances, whether it's marriages, whether it's rearing your children, whether it's work, whether it's serving in ministry, if I, if I hear teaching and ignore it, it's foolish. Like, just like a person who builds on sand. Next verse says what? When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a what? A mighty crash. A mighty crash. This story talks about two men who pursued different interests, had different priorities, and were impacted differently by a vicious storm. See, when the rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the houses. The house built on the rock stood, but the house built on sand fell and great was the fall of it. See, when storms come, if you are a listener of the word but not a doer of the word, you're going to be in trouble. Are y'all still, still listening to me? Amen. When, so so, so this story here, actually, when, when you think about it, it reminds us uh, uh, us that life, just like the weather, come on, y'all, is unpredictable and can change in an instant. Is that right? You know, I, I was sitting there, as I read the scripture, I thought about my, my brother Galen, who, who, is, who, is, who's, who's, is, 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 is waging a courageous and faith-filled battle against a, 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 a cancer that's attacked his body. And I remember, here's why I remember this very vividly, because I remember when we had our men's fellowship at the hotel down in Boja City, I was talking to Galen in the bathroom. And he shared with me that he had been having some problems with his stomach. And he thought it was just maybe he had ate something that was bad or food poison, whatever. And never in his wildest dream did he think that he would be facing uh, the battle against pancreatic cancer. 
All right. He left. He left the, the meeting and went straight to the hospital. Now, do you not realize that his life in that instant of diagnosis changed drastically? I mean, a year ago, he probably wouldn't even think anything about that. But it's changed. So our lives, just like the weather, could change instantaneously. But the question becomes, when it changes, are you ready to handle the change that's coming your way? See, I admire the brother because he's standing in faith and saying, I'm not going to go somewhere and hide and be in a corner, roll up, just ready to die. I'm going to stand in faith. I'm going to confess what I believe because if my faith is true... See, you don't really know you got faith until you have to be tested. See, a lot of us talk faith. I mean, we talk, for, oh, yeah, yeah, I got great faith until it's tested. That's when it's really going to show up, amen. So, so, so this story here reminds us that life, like the weather, is unpredictable and can change in an instant. Also, while some storms provide much-needed rain, which brings some cleansing and it fosters growth because if you got flowers, you got plants, if you got some uh, corn, amen, come on, and some peas, well, you're at Roisha, you got, you got some cucumbers that you're, that you're growing and all that stuff, you need some rain. And even though that storm may be vicious and blow down some tree limbs, but that heavy rain comes and you've been having a drought situation, it will help the stuff what? Grow. Can I get a witness? And so, so even though that storm brings musty to rain, other storms also leave a path of destruction in its wake, and it requires some rebuilding to take place. Can I get a witness? So, 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 guys, although the frequency of and the severity of our struggles and our storms may be different, the story of the wise and the foolish builders reminds us that troubling situations are inevitable, and that faith is ultimately what enables us to weather life's storm. Everybody say, "I got to have some faith." Look at the second story. Go to, go to Matthew, the 8th chapter, verse number 23 through 27. Second story. And I'm not, I'm not going to go through all of this, one, but it's Matthew, the 8th chapter, verse 23 through 27. We see while Jesus, Jesus calms the storm, while his disciples, while Jesus and his disciples were in a boat on the Lake of Galilee, and the disciples became concerned about the power of the storm that they were facing, and they, and they got scared, y'all. Everybody say, sometimes storms will scare you. How many of y'all, when you grew up and it was lightning and the wind was blowing, your mom and them told you, cut that TV off, get in that living room, sit down, shut up, don't, say that. don't make no noise. Anybody like that? Now, I don't know what that was going to do. I don't know what, turning the TV off and sitting down and being quiet, it wasn't going to change the storm, but you know, what did you do? Cut it off. Ooh, storm coming. Hello. <laughs> but guys, guys, listen, listen. Listen to me carefully. These guys, they cried out. I mean, when, when, when they saw Jesus come, he was on the boat with them, guys. Y'all realize that? And the wind was beat up. Jesus was sleeping to hide in the part of the ship, the KJV says. And they, and, they, and they cried out, Lord. They went down and went, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. But Jesus, look at this text. Look, look, he says, suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking to the boat. But Jesus was what? Man, I like Jesus. He's cool, man. It, 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 it doesn't matter if storm is coming. He, he knows exactly what he's going to do. He knows he got the power, amen, of the whole world in his hand. And he sleep. How many of y'all have learned how to sleep through the storms of life, man? How many of y'all have learned how to rest in Jesus when you're going through something, amen? How many of y'all have, have 
have, have matured in your faith to where you say, listen, it, this don't look good, but you know what? I'm with somebody who is good. I may not understand it, but I know somebody who understands all things. I, you know, I don't know where I'm going, but I know I'm in the hands of the man who holds the whole world in his hands. So it don't matter where I'm going. Jesus got me. Next verse. Come on, let's read. It says what? Suddenly the disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Now watch his response, guys. 26. Let's read. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? Now watch this now. Storm came. The master asked, why are you scared? Huh? Why are you afraid? Look at what he says. You have so little faith. He equated their fear to their lack of faith. Fear and faith cannot coexist in the same heart. So when you find yourself walking and being paralyzed by fear, then that means that faith is not permeating in your heart like it should. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves and suddenly all was calm. Guys, this story reminds us that life, like the weather, is unpredictable and it can change in an instant. Now, again, now watch this. Watch this. Jesus, you know, Jesus, Jesus calms this storm here and, and, and we can, you know, we, you know it's, it's, it's natural. It's, it's, it's easy for us to, if, if we're, not, we're not careful, um, even with Jesus present in our life, it's easy for us to become afraid, to panic and fear the worst. But notice that, that, notice that Jesus did not calm the winds and the waves by changing the disciples' circumstances. Watch this. He didn't, he didn't divert the boat into another situation where you had calm waters. He didn't do that, right? Instead, he brought calm to the situation by revealing his identity. See, a lot of times we want Jesus to, to take our boat and get it out the storm. Come on now. That thing that we're going through right now, Lord, deliver me. But what God wants to do sometimes is, is leave us in the midst of the storm. And then when he reveals himself to us, come on now, he's the prince of peace. He's the Lord of lords. He's the king of kings. And even though I'm in the middle of that circumstance, I still got peace. Because I can see Jesus in the midst of my situation. He didn't take it. You know, come on. Come on, how many of y'all, when you're going through a storm, you want to be delivered out of the storm? Now, 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 now understand this, storms don't last always. Y'all know that, right? We sang that song, I'm so glad. Trouble don't last always. All right, weeping may endure for a night. Joy coming in the morning, but I'm glad it don't last always. But when you're in the midst of a storm, it seems like it's going to last always, right? It seems like this ain't going to never end. So Jesus calmed the storm. So realizing the disciples' lack of faith, Jesus used the storm to establish his sovereignty, that he is trustworthy. He used the storm to establish his sovereignty. Come on, y'all. To establish his sovereignty and to prove that he is trustworthy. When you're in the middle of a storm, don't dare get to the point to where you don't believe that God can handle your situation. Third story we're going to look at in Matthew, the 14th chapter. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but Jesus walking on the water. Y'all know the story, right? We've preached this on several occasions, amen? After feeding 5,000, Jesus dismissed the crowd, Matthew 14 and 22, and directed the disciples to get into the boat and go on ahead of him. Then just before dawn, when disciples were well into their journey, Jesus went out to them walking on the water. And, and not realizing it was Jesus, they thought it was a ghost, right? Y'all remember that story? All right? But... but and, 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 
And Jesus told him to take heart aside. Peter said, what did Peter say? Your Lord is you. Bid me to come unto you. And so when, you know, Peter was the, always the boisterous one, right? And so Peter jumped out of the boat. Can I get a word? Ever say, sometimes it's good to get out the boat. Say it again. Say, sometimes it's good to get out the boat. See, in this journey of life, you can't remain a boat person all the time. And too many of y'all are boat people. You ain't gonna, you, you, Peter stepped out on the word of the master. Now, again, we know, we see that he was walking toward Jesus. And what happened? He took his eyes off of Jesus and put it on the storm. And when he did that, what happened? He began to sink. And then, but he had enough sense to say, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached down and picked him up. This story here distinguishes between what happens when we focus on the Lord and place our trust in him and when we focus on our circumstances. It also, that story also affirms that with God, nothing is impossible. See, some of, some of you sitting here right now need some walk on water situations in your life. Some of you right now need to, need to know that if, if the master says I can do it, I can do it. If I got a word from God that says I am able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can actually think according to the power that works in me, then I can actually do that. We need to know that, y'all. Amen. So Peter was, Peter, Peter was concentrated in trusting in Jesus. Everything went well. He was walking on the water. However, the moment he turned his attention from Jesus to his reality, and that's what we do, and realized his situation was hopeless, from a human viewpoint, he began to sink. See, sometimes from a human viewpoint, you messed up. Sometimes when you look at it from a natural viewpoint, your stuff is, 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 is janky, as they say. Your stuff is raggedy. Y'all have heard that term before. I, I, that's a country term. Your, 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 can I put it this way? Your stuff is jacked up. Come on. Your stuff is messed up. From a human viewpoint, it, it just, I mean, it don't look good. But I would challenge you as a born-again believer to stop looking at what it looks like and start looking at what you believe in it to be like. See, God is a God who does what? Calleth those things which be not as though they already are. Can I get a witness? See, see the similarities between the scriptures that's been read, the Bible stories in our lives are, are, are so strikingly the same. When we find ourselves in the midst of a storm, a natural human tendency is to hope and to pray that God will change our circumstances. But you know what? God, however... <laughs> Regularly, everybody say regularly. Everybody say on the regular. Say on a consistent basis. On a consistent basis, God uses life circumstances to disrupt our routine. Because some of us, if the truth be told, we wouldn't pay very much attention to God if we didn't have a storm come in our life. Hello. He'll use it to disrupt our routine. God will use a storm to get our attention. Because some of us are hard-headed. Come on now. Have you ever been hard-headed doing things your own way? And, you know, you go to church, but then the church don't really, you know, don't affect how you do life? Because, again, what do we say? The Bible says if you hear the words and don't do them, you are what? Foolish. 
And we have a lot of foolish Christians who come in and listen to the word. But time and time again, you keep doing it your way. Or I'll keep doing it my way. And God says, listen, you're acting like a fool. Because I've given you word, follow my word. So God will use those storms to disrupt our routine, get our attention, spark our faith. He'll use those storms to reveal himself to us. Amen. And they'll use the storm to change us. Can I get a witness? So, so just jot this down. The core principle I want you to get from this first, first part of the series, the core principle is this. Faith does matter. Everybody say faith matters. In the midst of troubles and in the midst of trials, it's natural to be afraid and it's natural to doubt. But in, in addition to revealing the extent of our faith, come on, guys, storms are often what bring us to our knees and remind of us, us of, it'll remind us of our need for Jesus Christ and one another. See, it'll remind us, storms will remind us of our need for Christ and our need for one another. See, caring ministry is about us realizing that we need each other. Can I get a witness? It's about realizing we need each other. You know, knowing that all of we all of are at different places along our faith journey, but caring oftentimes is, 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 is the ultimate discipling opportunity. Because sometimes when people are going through stuff, they won't, you know, they'll listen to you more then than, they, when, they, than when they, everything's going smooth. You try to tell them how to manage their money when they, when, when they had uh, all their bills paid, they don't want to listen to you. Right? But the moment, see, if, if somebody's going to borrow money from you and they do it more than one time, what you need to do is sit down with them, come on, and evaluate their situation. I got one all right. I got one amen. Because if you really care, you're going to care about that person and, and, and what's keeping them in that situation than just meeting the need. Look at their neighbor. Do you really care? See, see again, those storms, that situation that they're going through is your opportunity to help disciple them. So, so they may not listen to you any other time, but if they need something from you, I promise you they'll listen. How many of y'all have discovered that when people need something from you, they will answer their phone just like that? Come on. If they need some, especially if they need some money from you or need whatever from you, they will answer that phone. But it's amazing when they don't want to hear from you how people, yo, I didn't see your call. You saw it every other time. You, when, you, when you want to borrow that $200, every time my number popped up, you first ring, you answered it. Come on. Guys, storms present an opportunity for us as Christians to show that we care. It's a discipling opportunity. Even during times of death, it's a discipling opportunity. Every, every funeral I preach, uh, I, 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 I use it as an opportunity to put something on people's mind about life eternities, life's eternity. Because we're going to live forever one way or another, either in heaven or hell. So while you're thinking about death, that's my opportunity to share with you about the, the, the giver of life. Can I get a witness? So faith does matter. Amen? Go Look at Jeremiah 29, 11 right quick. Let's pop that up. We're gonna, I'm going to give you uh, three things and we're going to get ready to go to the house, okay? 
Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, right? Read on, it says what? To give, they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That's what it says, all right? So guys, caring, what is, what is caring ministry? God, God said he has a plan for us. He says there are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So what is caring ministry? Well, Right, just jot these down. Care means what is care means? Care means is people, not issues. Everybody say people, not issues. Second thing, care means is presence, not programs. Presence, not programs. People always want to get a program to change the community, but it's your presence that'll change the community. You can get a program, people still shoot each other up. But if you if you are present and, and, and are relational with people, then you can help change that individual. And when you change the individual, it'll change the community and the circumstances in the community. Caring is about people, not issue. It's about presence and not programs. And it's, about, it's faith and not fixating and fixing. It's faith and not fixating and fixing. Most people will say, you care about me when you fix my problem. I want to teach you how to walk in faith so that when the problem comes, you can trust Jesus in the midst of it and walk through that thing. So people, not issues. Everybody say people, not issues. Everybody say presence, not programs. Faith, not fixating and fixing. Now, last, last thing, I want, I want key points I want you to walk away with, okay? Because again, we said that storms give us an opportunity to illustrate that we really care. Because the question I asked was, do you really care? And so we, we understand that God allows storms in our life not only to, to help, amen, refine us, but they allow storms in the life of people in general and Christians in particular so that it gives us an opportunity to show that we really do care. Because when you're going through something and you got somebody who comes and, and, and exhibit root, true, genuine biblical care, man, it will, it will change your life forever. So key point number one, storms serve an important purpose. Everybody say storms serve an important purpose. So instead of, instead of viewing storms as something to, to try and, and, and divert or to evade or, or get away from, trust that over time God has a way of using troubles, trials, and turmoil to draw us near to him and to reveal himself and to transform us. You got to trust that. God will use that storm to reveal himself to us. He'll use that storm, guys, to, 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 to transform us. He'll use that storm to draw us near to him. I will submit to you right now, I can look back over my life as a born-again believer, and the times that I grew the most were the times when I faced adversity. The times that I grew the most and the times that I prayed the most was when I was in the middle of a storm. How many of y'all know your prayer life gets more fervent when you're going through something? Hello. Key point number two. Write this one down. Storms present opportunities. They present opportunities. When people find themselves in the midst of the storm, whether or not they, they voice their questions, concerns, and fears and doubts, we can be assured they're, th they're thinking about some deeper aspects then. So storms present opportunities for us as, as, as believers. They're thinking about deeper aspects of life, like purpose. What's my hope? And they start, start thinking about God when they're in the midst of a storm. Amen? No matter how far people 
or in their faith journey, our expressions of care and prayer are an important reminder that they matter to God and that they matter to you. So when they're going through something, they didn't know what you're praying for. Don't just say you're praying. Some of y'all get the prayer list and you look at them, ooh, I didn't know they were sick. And you keep moving. Get the prayer request list and you look at it and, and, hadn't, and you know you hadn't prayed. And, and, and you, got so, you, you got so fickle in your, in your ways where you're like, I'm, I'm tired of all these emails for these prayer requests. I'm going to just block this. Why are you going to block prayer time? Okay. Some of y'all, some of y'all didn't even know the person was sick because you, if you had read the prayer request list, you would have known they were hospitalized. Hello, they've been in the hospital two weeks and they're not out. And you're like, I didn't know they were sick. Well, it was on the prayer list every week. So that told me you don't pray. And you don't, you, you, okay, now y'all don't want to talk to me now, do you? You don't want to talk to me. Storms present opportunities. Number three, last. Storms are often blessings in disguise. Storms are often blessings in disguise. Storms are often blessings in disguise. While storms can be disruptive, yes, they are, and they can even be devastating. How many of y'all have been through some devastating stuff? God uses storms to get our attention. He uses storms to refine us, and he uses storms to increase our faith. Amen? The important step that a lot of us got to get to is, is, is this point is we got to realize that we can't weather life storms on our own. Just as Jesus reached out his hand to catch Peter, when we feel like we are sinking or we feel like we are drowning in our circumstances, our Lord and Savior's hand is stretched out toward us. And not only is the Lord and Savior's hand stretched out toward us, God will use us as vessels to reach out to that person who's going through that storm now to show that we really do care, to show that you really do matter, to show that I'm here for you. I am my brother or my sister's keeper. I want you to know that God loves you. And I do really care. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you.